let's talk about the very first Christmas, and let's talk about the fact that the only people who, who saw the first Christmas were the people who were looking for it. And, here, and I want to read from Luke chapter 2 and, and show you what I mean by that. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, my question right here is, why would that be a sign to these guys? And I want to explain to you what was going on. It wasn't until a few years ago they, they discovered something called the Migdal Eater. Go ahead and put that picture up there if you would, Krista. This is the, the you see it there, it's from Micah chapter 4, verse 8. Many of you know Micah 5, 2, which says, from you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, will come a savior. So when, when Herod was trying to figure out what town the king of the Jews was going to be born in, he asked the prophets, and they quoted Micah 5, 2. But what most people don't realize is that Micah 4, 8 talks about the tower of the flock, and the announcing of the baby would come from the tower of the flock. The Migdal Eater is how you say it in, in Hebrew. And here's what the Migdal Eater was. Let me explain that to you. So the shepherds that were out in the field, you, you see this structure here. They would be up in the top floor watching out, literally watching over their flocks by night, and here's why. The shepherds in the field had not been the lowly shepherds that, that we always assumed. I'm reading to you from Unlocking the Secrets of the Feasts. They were actually priests from the temple um, who were doing shepherding work to assist in the birthing of sacrificial lambs so that they would be unblemished for sacrifice. While the shepherds were keeping watch over the flock from the top floor of this tower, the shepherd priests would bring the pregnant sheep in from the field to the tower's bottom floor where the sheep would give birth. As soon as the lamb was born, the priest would wrap it with strips of cloth made from old priestly undergarments. This was done to keep the lamb from getting blemished. The priest would, make, uh, would then place the lamb into a manger on the bottom floor of the tower um, so that, that the, the sheep would not get trampled on. See, the whole purpose was they wanted to protect the lamb because this was going to be used in sacrifice in the temple. So when the shepherd priest went to Bethlehem and saw the baby Jesus wrapped in claws lying in a manger, they must have exclaimed, this is the lamb of God. See, they were preparing lambs in the Migdal Eater in the tower, in the, um, the, the tower of the flock, and, and they were protecting him. So this is why it was a specific sign for these shepherds. When they went to Bethlehem, they saw it, they, they had to exclaim, this is the lamb of God prepared for the sacrifice, unblemished. They had to be excited beyond words because they alone this meant so much to them it was just for them from God it was a personal sign from God that they had found the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world so he says the angel says today in the town of David a savior has been born to you he is the Messiah the Lord this will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger and we think that it's very possible that Jesus was actually wrapped in in the same type of priestly garments you remember who um, Jesus cousin was John John the Baptist. John the Baptist's father was a priest, Zacharias. And when he was in the temple not long before, that's when God told him, your wife is going to have a child. And you're to name him John. You remember that when Mary found out she was pregnant, she went and hung out with, with um, Elizabeth, her cousin, for three months. And it is very probable, it's just like God, we don't know this for sure, but that she may have, um, Elizabeth may have given her some priestly garments to wrap the child in so that the sign could be 
applied to Jesus Christ and the, the, the shepherds, when they came, they saw him wrapped in cloths lying in a manger and they knew exactly who this was, the Lamb of God born to take away the sins of the world. And, and one thing I was reading said it's even possible that John knew all of this and, and it may have been that John called him the Lamb long before he saw him walking in the wilderness and said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's continue the story. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, earth peace on those, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. They didn't just sit there and go, hmm, I wonder if this is true. No, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found. This word found, the Hebrew word means they had to search. But it wasn't that difficult to search because how many babies are going to be wrapped in priestly cloths lying in a manger? Only one. When they found him, after their search, they glorified God. Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in a manger. They found him. The shepherds found Jesus because they were looking for him the first Christmas. Later on, we know that the wise men found him too because they were looking for him. Here's what it says in Matthew 2, verses 1 and 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to do what? This is where we've gotten the whole theme of this, this series, come to worship. When you come, you are supposed to offer something. Worship is never about you. It's always about the one we are worshiping. So I'm going to tell you that you're going to find this Christmas exactly what you're looking for. If you're looking for stress, you can find stress. If you're looking for money, you can find more money, maybe. Maybe we'll get a stimulus check. I don't know. But maybe you can find more money. If you're looking for the Savior, you can find the Savior. Because here's what I want to read to you. 700 years before the Savior was born, there was a prophet named Isaiah. Isaiah wrote these words in Isaiah 9, verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of what? I want you to know that if you're looking for peace... This Christmas, you can find it. But you have to come to the Prince of Peace. Now, when you think of Christmas, is peace what comes to mind? How many of you have ever participated in that festival of peace known as Black Friday? Now, this year was different, right? How many? Yeah, Carlene, she's like, I live it. What are you talking about? I never get Black Friday off. She sees it. And, and peace, when they, when they gave us all the stories, you know, online, the news stories, peace is what they were talking about at Walmart, right? Fights over TVs and presents and stuff, peace, right? That describes the crowds, goodwill toward men. That's what you find at Walmart. Have you been to Walmart in the last couple of days? Peace, goodwill toward men. I got to ask you this question, right? So 2020 was different, right? Everybody said that a couple weeks ago. 2020 is just weird, right? I saw this meme on Facebook, and I just thought this was the appropriate time to put it up there. Would you put it up there, Krista? Is anyone troubled by the fact that the name of next year is literally 2021? W-O-N, some of y'all are going to get that next week. You're going to go, oh, I get it. Um. Several years ago, I was, I was getting gas out in front of the Festival of Peace, you know, at Walmart, at the gas station. 
And, and I didn't even notice the guy next to me pulls up on the other side of the pump, didn't notice, didn't think a thing of it, until homeboy comes around my side, squeezes in between my car and the gas pump with a lit cigarette. Let me tell you, peace is not what came to mind. My thoughts were, if we survive this, I'm going to make you eat that fire stick, right? In the name of Jesus, because I'm following him in peace and good according to isaiah jesus will be called the prince of peace so 700 years later was jesus born into a time of peace the romans were in charge was it a peaceful time no political turmoil in fact mary and joseph had to travel 80 miles from nazareth to bethlehem to register for the census and we don't know how Mary traveled. We have no idea. The Bible doesn't tell us. There are no records of how she traveled. But since she was nine months pregnant, it's logical to assume that she rode on or in something, right? We don't know for sure if it's a donkey or a cart. Doesn't matter. I'm really confident that a nine months pregnant woman riding in or on anything would not be thinking peaceful thoughts. Are you with me? Right? Anyone who's had it? Somebody say, I know that's right, baby. Okay, yeah, only the women who, who yeah, who remember. So did, did Isaiah miss it? He said one of the names of the Savior would be Prince of Peace. Did he miss it? Because there wasn't much peace at the time of Jesus' birth. And there's not a whole lot of peace in 2020, about to be 2021. So what's the deal with this name? Let's, let's take it apart. Let's look at it. Isaiah uses two Hebrew words. We've been looking at Hebrew words for the last several weeks. He uses two Hebrew words and they are Sar Shalom. Say Sar and say Shalom. Shalom. Sar means the one in charge. It's the captain, the lord, the chief, the general. The Romans spelled it C-Z-A-R. You've probably heard that if you've done any history when you were... Somebody asked me today if I'd ever studied history, you know, back when I used to go to school. Yes, there were still history classes back then. The Romans spelled it Tsar, and they used it to denote the guy in charge. Later, it became Caesar... Julius Caesar, Caesar Augustus, the one in charge. And, and, not only were you supposed to say, you were supposed to say Caesar is Lord. So if you were a, a loyal Roman follower, you would cry out Caesar is Lord. So can you see how danger it would, dangerous it would be for a follower of Jesus to say, no, Jesus is Lord. Caesar, the guy in charge, he's Lord. Now, I, I intentionally put a lowercase l because he's not the Lord of Lords. He's not God. He declared himself that, and he's a footnote that we wouldn't even know his name if it weren't for Jesus. Now, that's the first one, Sar, the one in charge, the captain, the Lord, the chief, the general. The second term is Shalom. How many of you have heard that word before, Shalom? Right? If, it, it, the Jews still use this word to this day, but it doesn't just mean peace. It's translated in English as peace, but it actually means rest, tranquility, wholeness, completeness. It has more to do with character than circumstances. I love that, that, that uh, definition, that, that you can have peace that surpasses all understanding. Sounds like Paul's interpretation, right? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding, regardless of circumstances. And if you combine these two terms, you get Jesus is the Sar Shalom. He's the captain of rest. He's the Lord of tranquility. He's the chief of contentment. So if you think about the, the Isaiah 9, 6, a son will be given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom. Now, here's where it gets interesting. In order to have peace, 
you have to be under the authority of the Sar Shalom, right? So how many of you um, know how, how an umbrella works? Oh, good, most of you. I was just checking, see if you're awake. If you're out here during a rainstorm, are you protected from the rain? What do you have to do? You have to put it over your head. Thank you, Mary. Yeah, put it over your head. Idiot, right? That's, that's, you said that with that, that tone. As long as you're under the authority of the Sar Shalom, the captain of tranquility, you can have peace. So does that mean you can do whatever you want to in your life and still have peace? No. Can you move out from under the umbrella and still have peace? Let me give you some scenarios. Can you get your girlfriend pregnant and still have peace? No, because you're out from underneath the authority of the one who gives peace. Can you live together before marriage and still have peace? No, because you're no longer under the authority of the Sar Shalom, the one who gives peace. Can you abuse your body with drugs, alcohol, and bluebell and still have peace? No, I got some bluebell. And I got some fudge. Thank you very much, Kathy. Um, and it's good. But you cannot take care of your body and eat a whole bunch of fudge and bluebell. That just doesn't work. Can you live like hell and then show up on Sunday mornings every once in a while and have peace? No. Can you do marriage in your own power and have peace? No. Can you get into debt up to your eyeballs and have peace? No, there's no way you can spend more than you make and have peace for any amount of time. Anytime you do any aspect of life in your power, you're outside the will of the Sar Shalom, and out here there is no peace. So, so you've heard it said this. This was on a bumper sticker back in the 70s when we still had history in classes. But it said it like this, no Jesus, no peace. K-N-O-W, in case you can't see it on Facebook. The opposite of that is, no Jesus, you're outside the Sar Shalom, no peace. Good luck with, with trying to live life on your own and have peace. Only when you're under the authority of the Sar Shalom can you have it. Next week, we're going to bow the knee. You know, we've been talking about next week we finish up our, our series, Come to Worship. And we talked about lifting holy hands. We talked about bringing a sacrifice of praise. We talked about pouring out our hearts. Next week, we're going to bow down. Jesus is the Sar Shalom. He's in charge of peace, and he only speaks peace into the lives of people who are under his authority. And it's why you can come to church, get nothing out of church, because you you're not even in the proximity of the Sar Shalom. He only gives it to people who submit to him. And he, he wants us to have three types of peace. And this is what I want you to carry out of here today. The number one, he wants you to have peace with God. Peace with God. If you don't have peace with God right now, do you know what the problem is? You are the problem. He offers it to you, but only to those who will humble themselves. Outside the authority of the Sar Shalom, you get to experience the glory of your power. Right? Your glory. Good luck with that. How's it working out for you? Because I have some problems in my life I don't think you're powerful enough to solve. And I guarantee you have some problems in your life that I'm not powerful enough to solve. You need someone far greater than a preacher, far greater than a prophet, 
You need the prince of peace to speak into your situation. Your circumstances are not the problem if you don't have peace. The problem is you're not close to the Sar Shalom. See, look at Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. It says this. Once you were where? Far away. How? Far away. But now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought what? Because he's in charge of it. Peace with God. You can't have peace with God in your power. You come through the one who's in charge of peace. You bow the knee to him, and he grants you peace, regardless of the circumstances. That's the first purpose. You can't have the next one until you have that one. You have to have peace with God before you get the second purpose, the peace of God. The Bible talks about a peace that is beyond understanding, and I saw this. I witnessed this. I don't know what day I went down and baptized um, Christina in, in Houston at Houston Memorial Hospital. Um, she was all hooked up to all these machines, so we had to sprinkle her. But I'll never forget the peace that she had. And so there were nine of us. That, there's only supposed to be one at a time. They, they made an exception. There were nine of us in the room. We, were, we had on gowns. It was so hot. We had on face masks. We had on all of this stuff. And, we're, and so we're all just kind of talking. You know, we're about to do the baptism. We're not even sure how to do it in the room, you know, in the hospital bed. And she goes, okay, now that I've got y'all all here, this is Christina, now that I've got y'all all here, I want to say something. We're like, yes, ma'am. She said, I don't want to see anyone cry. And, and her daddy said, can we cry after you're gone? She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you can do that. She said, I don't want to see it. And here's, I'm not making this up. This is what she said. She said, I know Jesus Christ, and I'm going to see him. And this was before they'd unhooked all of the stuff, the umpella, and, and, and you know, before she wasn't, uh, what was it, the kidney stuff, dialysis, before they, before they turned all of that off. She said, I'm going to fight this as long as I can, but I'm going to see Jesus, so I don't want you all to cry. That's the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, right? I'll never forget it. So here's what... Paul says to the Philippian church, don't worry because worry is the opposite of peace about anything. If you don't have peace, then what do you do? Paul tells you, pray about everything because the more you pray, the less you'll panic. You step back under the authority of the Sar Shalom and acknowledge he's in charge. You tell him what you need and then look, with thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and requests to God. Then, then, because you belong to Christ, because you belong to the Sar Shalom, because you're in close proximity to the prince of peace. God will bless you with peace that no one comp can completely understand. I like this translation. It says, and this peace will control the way you think and feel. This peace is what was controlling the way Christina thought and felt when she's laying in that hospital bed. Now, did you know, not only can he give peace, he can take it away from you. As the Lord, as the one in charge of peace, he can take it away. And, and there's people going to say, why in the world would he do that? <laughs> well, you ever turned your back on him? You ever walked away? You ever known the right thing to do and didn't do it? The Bible tells us that's sin. And if there's sin in your life, he will remove his peace so that he gets your attention. He will remove his peace to, to remind you that you're not powerful enough to deal with life's problems. He'll remove his peace to remind you that if you get 
If you get any distance from the Prince of Peace, you will not have it because he wants to draw you back. And if he has to allow pain come into your life to draw you back, then pain is what you're going to get. And the amount of pain depends on how stubborn you are, how stupid you are. He'll do it because he loves you. When the disciples were in the boat in the middle of the storm, huge storm. I mean, because at least half of the disciples, we think maybe seven of them were fishermen on the Sea of Galilee. And this huge storm comes up, and they thought they were going to drown. You remember what Jesus, what he was doing? He was asleep. How could he be asleep? Because he's in charge of peace. I was, I was picturing this, right? Jesus is probably raining. At the very least, they're in one of these boats, you know, that could barely fit all of these people in it, and they're going up and down on the waves, and the spray's coming over. Jesus is asleep? And they're like, Jesus, we're going to drown. Ah, there was no peace except for Jesus. You remember, Jesus wakes up, and I'm making this up, but I imagine he stretches. He knew this was coming. He put them into the storm on purpose so that they could meet him as the Prince of Peace. But they don't know him that, yet, that way yet. And so I think he stretched. And they're like, come on, Jesus, get on with it. He may have, you know, gotten some sleep out of his eyes. I'm making all that up. I don't know. What I do know is what happened when the Prince of Peace spoke. I want you to see it in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 39. Then he, Jesus, the Prince of Peace, arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea. What did he say to the sea? Peace. The Bible tells us it was immediately calm. I've told you this before, when, when, an, when a sea or a lake or any big body of water, whenever the storm rolls through, it's a while before the waves stop, not when the Sar Shalom says peace. It was immediate. And the reaction of his followers was, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Who is he? Isaiah told him 700 years before. He's the prince. He's the captain of peace. Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Peace ruled on that lake because he spoke it. So Jesus came to give peace with God. He came to give peace on the inside, the peace of God, and there's one last one he came to give us. As the one in charge of peace, Jesus wants us to have peace with others. Anytime you attempt to make peace with others, you're following Jesus' lead. And, and here's what he said in, in Matthew 5, 9, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. And I highlighted this. Not the peacekeepers. Go to Haiti and ask them what they think about the UN peacekeepers who are no longer even there. They couldn't stand them. They didn't do anything but take up space. A peacemaker is one who works very hard at a relationship. You know, you know how when sometimes you're in a bad relationship, somebody runs away and hides? That's... that's that's not a peacemaker, that's a peacekeeper, or that's a, that's a peace avoider, right? There's turmoil. It takes effort to be a peacemaker, for they will be called children of God. We were far away from God. God sent Jesus to bring us peace, to reconcile us with God, and to reconcile us with other people. And one of the, one of the things I love about Celebrate Recovery, one of the steps, I don't remember which one, but it says that you're to go and make amends unless, unless, there's this big fat unless, 
unless you're showing up in that person's life would cause them more harm and more strife. You don't get to demand that someone has peace with you. That is getting out from underneath the one who gives peace. Oh, you have to have peace with me. I want to make this right. No, you don't get to do that. In CR, you're, you're to go. So let me give you an example. There, let's just say that there was, there was adultery back in the day. And all of a sudden, you go through Celebrate Recovery. You get peace with God. And you think, oh, I need to go make amends. You need to go knock on the door and say, hey, will you forgive me for sleeping with your wife? There's not going to be peace in that house. And that is not your place. You get under the authority of the one who gives peace, and there are times because you're under his authority, you're not going to get to go to someone because your presence will not give them peace. And so you humble yourselves before God. 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And then I love that verse 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When we hold on to our anxiety, it means we've walked away from the Prince of Peace. Here's what the scripture says, what Jesus said in John 13, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. So as we walk near the Prince of Peace, as he gives us peace, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be times if, as you have that peace, someone who does not know God or someone who is far from God will ask you, how can you do this? And you get to tell them about Jesus. And then when you're a peacemaker and you walk through difficult situations with other people willing to walk through, the Bible says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That means there are, begun, there are going to be some people who, who will not live at peace with you. You let them go and you worship God, and you live life under the Prince of Peace. Because that's not on you. That's on them. And they will stand before God. You will stand before God for your actions. They will stand before God for their actions. Every time I walk through a difficult situation with a believer in Christ, I'm bringing honor and glory to my Heavenly Father. So this Sar Shalom, this captain of rest, the Lord of tranquility, the chief of contentment is offering you peace today, but, but you're not going to get it on your own. You're only going to get it as you bow the knee to the one who's in charge of it, the one who distributes it as he sees fit. Now, we're going to have a song like we have been doing, so at this point, we've got to say bye to your Facebook. Be with us next week as we talk about bowing before God. I chose this song because the first line of the song, it's, it's a Chris Tomlin song, and the first line of the song says, there's a peace I've come to know. It's I will rise. And so we're going to turn off the lights. We're going to watch this, and some of you need to come back underneath the authority of the Sar Shalom today. My prayer is that you will not leave this place until you have the peace with God and the peace of God that no one can understand except the one who gives it. Go ahead. I had no idea that Christina would pass away before I chose, I chose that song before Christmas Eve. <clears throat> and I was thinking about her when Jesus called her name. No more sorrow, no more pain. Thank you, Lord, that... that 
we have the assurance that because he rose from the dead, everyone who follows him will be raised as well. My prayer for you is that you not miss the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, that you, you, you get under the authority of the Sar Shalom. Um, we have uh, one basket at the back. It's our joy basket. That's how we give at New Life Community Church. And uh, you can do that or you can give online. And um, we want you to be back next week. We're, uh, we'll crank everything back up. So uh, youth group will start back on whatever that first Wednesday in January is. Celebrate recovery, the landing, all of those things will be starting back up. Men's and women's Bible study, uh, assuming everybody gets over the crud and the COVID. Uh, so, so not everybody's sick with the COVID, but everybody's sick with some kind of crud right now. So you... Uh, uh, May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. You're dismissed. <laughs>